Okay, let's go. Thanks so much for uh, joining me, Daniel. I really, really appreciate you taking the time um, to sit down with me today. So um, it's funny because obviously I listen to your podcast a lot, the Once Bitten podcast, and and I know little snippets about you, but but as a host, I guess uh, we we don't get to hear so much about your personal journey. So um, I, I know you were previously. Uh, working in financial services and uh, on the FX desk and be cool to find out a little bit more about your journey. Um, so how, how you arrived at this digital nomad uh, lifestyle, which I, which I find super inspirational that you, you're doing that with your wife and children. So um, yeah, I guess start in the most obvious place of, of what was that red pill moment and, and where did you start to see through the matrix? Yeah, uh, thanks for inviting me on. Um, really appreciate uh, the the chance to sit down and, and share the story. Um, yeah, where where should I start? <laughs> Seeing through the matrix. <laughs> that was difficult. That was difficult. Uh, and I think it's difficult for everybody because we're so systemized from such a young age. Yeah. And the the most worrying thing and the most worrying trend I see throughout the world, it wants to take control over your children and their education. Uh, you know, you, you look at it's really bad in the US, where parents are really forced into getting their kids before they're even born in some cases onto wait lists for kindergarten, because that is their path to an Ivy League university. This is how sick society has become with this right. systemization. And it's <clears throat> It's been done on purpose. It's been uh, created this way. Uh, there's there's no secret behind that. There's plenty of other resources out there that you can go and check in. Uh, an education uh, superstar. He he won Teacher of the Year like uh, two years in a row, I think, in in New York, I believe. Who was that? Sorry, uh, John Taylor Gatto, G A T T O. Uh, Thirty years as a teacher, and then all of a sudden, he saw through the matrix of the education system and started writing about it. Uh, his books, um, Dumbing, Dumbing Us Down, uh, is, uh, is one of the, uh, the ones that gets referenced a lot uh, about how going through this systemization, going through this indoctrination to, um, to the school and the problem with society today, we have just like um, robots, basically. We, we just become robots that are going to go into the workplace and work for the rest of our lives, have the 2.4 kids, the white picket fence, have that carrot dangled in front of our faces. And before you know it, you're 70 years of age, your, your, your retirement, your official retirement age gets pushed back another two years, just as you hit that. And right. then you've got yeah. to work that extra two. And then you're, you, you finally get to retire and there's not as much in the pot as you thought. And there's not much, there's not as much as the state ever promised. And you've, You've lost all your your agile years. It, it's just a the de deferred lifestyle, as Tim Ferriss would call it in his book, The Four Hour Work Week, which was a huge wake up call for me. Um, so when people, when you say when, when did you see through the matrix? Because I imagine it wasn't a. Um, it's it's not usually like this one striking moment. It's usually an aggregation of domino effects, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, if, if I'm, I'm trying to like uh, draw a line back in my mind, when did I start questioning things properly? 
Uh, and it was I was probably 15 years into my career at this point where I just suddenly seeing the birth of your first child is like no experience anybody can ever put into words. You, you, you cannot describe how that that changes you mentally. Right. Um, so I would I would probably attribute that to one huge moment. And then number two comes along. Uh, by that time, you've probably just convinced yourself. This is what I did. I convinced myself that to be a good father and a good provider, which is a primal instinct in in males, uh, you know, you you look for food and shelter, yeah, and uh, the highest paying job that you can, and you put everything on the line. Your colleagues and peers to get that uh, promotion, the incentives are all aligned for you just to chase money for your whole life. Um, and then it was the birth of our twins that was a surprise because uh, I didn't. I didn't want any more kids. Uh, I was <laughs> I was maxed out at two. And uh, my wife was, no, nah, perhaps we should have one more. And the thing that was holding me back, and, and thank God this, you know, this didn't transpire. The thing that was holding me back was money right. and my career. I was like saying to her, listen, you can pay all of those bills. And, you know, doing that math was just ridiculous when you think back. But, you know, I could cover that and I could uh, we could live a nice life. And we were in Singapore at the time, so we were happy there as well. I'm like, you know, another kid's going to mess that all up. Right. You know, that's going to that's going to push us to the to the boundary each month of uh, of income and and outgoings and, and whatever else. This this changes everything. <clears throat> but. Uh, yeah, what do you know? We had a surprise pregnancy and then <laughs> I remember I was sitting at my desk repeating my numbers as a good foreign exchange broker does say oh yeah i need to trade on that and we can get into that later if you want if you like um and i picked up the phone and uh it was my wife and she said right i'm 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 at the hospital now uh, i've just been called in so i'm going to go in and get the scan because at this point it was just an inkling but you know she was pretty certain she knew her body by then and, uh, you know, having been through it two times, I did not go to that meeting because I'd done the last two meetings and whatever else she was comfortable with. It was the same doctor, etc. cetera. Uh, so I said, all right, good luck. Then I get the phone call 20 minutes later and she said, yeah, it's um, pregnant for sure. That's confirmed. And uh, it's twins. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Nice one. <laughs> nice one. Good one. I thought she was kidding because of what I'd said before she went into the meeting. And then she said, no, it's, it's twins. And I could hear that, like the worry in her voice. And I just, man, that's like Mike Tyson might as well have just tapped me on the shoulder at that point and sideswiped <laughs> me with like an absolute haymaker because at that point, everything was changing. That, that was untenable. Life was untenable that we'd been rolling along on. Um, so that started, obviously started making me think deeper about what, what does this mean? Like, where, where are we going to be in two to five years time? How can I make this happen? Um, <laughs> the first thing you want is a raise, right? But that's not always on the table. <laughs> so you hadn't found Bitcoin at this point, I take it? No, this was, when was this, man? This would have been like 2010. No. I hadn't found Bitcoin. 
Um, so I'd most likely your mind at this point. It's just it's just a matter of making ends meet and finding a way to facilitate this um, this change in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, um, how's this how's this even going to work? So, started running the math through my head, and you know, nothing was nothing was adding up. So, we had to make some huge life changes over the next uh, two years. Um, and really, I would say that was. Uh, you know, the birth of the twins was a real catalyst that really held my feet against the fire. And I, th th then when I started asking deeper questions, that's when you start unraveling. Like, hmm, well, that doesn't make sense. And well, why should it be that way? And well, that doesn't make sense either. And then we got a close look. We we had to, the first chance, uh, our older two out of uh, paid education and put them into the local state school system in Singapore, which the rest of the world you know, the, the, it's like, oh, yes, the, the Singapore state school education system is the best best math in the world. And, you know, they, they have a great, it's, I'll tell you, man, it's a fucking gulag. There's no <laughs> other way. There's no other way to describe it. So then I'd never questioned the education system at all until that point when my wife would be telling me, like, what was going on. I'm like, man, this just sounds like really bad. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but I was shackled. There's nothing I could do. Options of schooling. Um, and then that was that was another part of the matrix unraveling, like the emperors were in no clothes when it comes to like state education. Yeah. Um, and then uh, reading um, the four hour work week was probably the last piece of the puzzle. I was having lunch with a friend of mine complaining as we always did about like, you know, we couldn't figure out how are we both in very well paid jobs, but zero at the end of the month without living a lavish lifestyle. Something's not adding up, right? Like no. things, things are obviously not getting easier. And, and why is it consistently for generations been so difficult, you know, just making ends meet, you know, just surviving and, and barely thriving, thriving, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Didn't realize the money was broken, even though I worked in money. Right. Even though I worked in foreign exchange all day long, even though I knew central banks were intervening in the currency markets all the time, intervening by printing money and uh, selling, dumping their own currencies, that sent the markets into turmoil. All the traders had to rebalance their books. They had to come into the market to do that. As brokers, we just made hay. Right. So intervene as much as you like lads yeah volatility is your friend especially Just if you're a broker buttering everyone up essentially and i guess that's the that's the real sleight of hand isn't it that they're they're really greasing everyone up and and people are willing to turn a blind eye I, my friend made an amazing comment recently I, I sent him the graph of like the spike in a uh, container ship prices and he went yeah the market's flying <laughs> and i'm like that's not that wouldn't have been my choice of words but you know um that's that's how we see things because we're just vested in our own self-interest and, and our own little bubble mm -hmm. um and it's it's dangerous because you you don't end up questioning the narrative you know any given day anywhere between a couple of hundred million dollars up to one and a half billion dollars would have passed through me specifically as I was brokering deals for, you know, the, the world's biggest banks around the world.
Yeah. And that was just me. Like foreign exchange, six trillion dollars a day settles. It's the biggest market there is. It's insane, isn't it? I think Safe speaks about that number in his book, The Bitcoin Standard. Mm-hmm. That that is an extraordinary amount of uh, of money that's moved around per day like the hundreds of trillions and it really blew my mind that number because it's especially when he points out this it's not a productive uh it adds no value to society nothing it adds value to the 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 banksters and the hucksters and the brokers like me you know biggest rent seeker that 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 could be in the financial markets are brokers uh, you know, you're just facilitating trading. You don't take on any of the risk, nothing. You just, yeah, put buyer and seller together uh, and, and charge, <laughs> like, you know. And I remember sitting at my desk one day and I, I had a good relationship with the guy. He was at Tour Dom at, at, that, at that particular time in his career. I was saying to him, like, Dave, what are we actually doing? <laughs> and he's like... He was a Kiwi guy. I love him. He's like, so what, what, what do you mean, Ponzi? Like, I'm like, what, like, what are we, what are we doing? Why have you got to move a hundred million dollars from one month into a nine month position? Like, why are you doing that? (laughs) To try and make money, mate. I'm like, yeah, but are you going to make money? Well, no, it's a complete punt. So why, who's behind it? Like, where does this flow come? Tell me, because it's bank trade secret. What if you go and tell someone else? I'm like, surely it's just the same customers that are using the same banks. How many corporations and hedge funds out there uh, are there really that, you know, what's the big secret? So they would put their deals through the banks and then the banks would put their deals through the brokers, which ends up on a different bank's balance sheet. What are we doing? <laughs> it's not- it's such a so, such so I'm a, like so I re- I repeat numbers to you all day long and you decide on whether or not that's a good number to move a hundred million dollars or two hundred million dollars across on. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. And at this time, I'd been doing it for fifteen or sixteen years, and I'd not questioned that, and I didn't know what a fiat currency was. Never heard the term. But funny how just a simple and basic question can really pull on that thread and start to unravel it, right? Like just just shows shows you the lack of questioning we we implement in our daily lives, right? Like we've mm-hmm. all done it. We've all just gone through the motions on autopilot. And the moment you actually start to question things and say, hold on a minute, what's what's really going on here? That's when the the rabbit hole really opens and, and there's no going back at that point, right? Like you once you see that truth, you can't, you, you have to, you have to explore where that goes. That's why if you turn up to a new job, a new role, a new post, and this is what's happened uh, with a lot of millennials. And this is why we have this narrative in the mainstream media about how millennials are entitled and lazy and which is complete bullshit. What happens, uh, a new role, and they've jumped through the hoops that the system has demanded of them. They've got the masters or the PhD or whatever else. They've shackled themselves to a four-year higher education degree. They've got hundreds of thousands, if not tens of thousands uh, of dollars or pounds of debt. And they turn up, you know, that they were one of 50 going for that role and they, they get it. They finally make it, they get there. And first day they turn up and they question a process. This is what we do and this is how we do it. Shut yeah. up sit down and learn 
or stop asking stupid questions and go and get me a fucking coffee. And that is where disenchantment just immediately sweeps through that generation because they turn up and like, this process is ridiculous. I can main, I, I, I can make this so more efficient. 45 year old knuckle dragging Gen Xer that has battled for the last 20 years to get in that seat. Nah, no, you're not. There's no way you're changing this process because this is what we do and this is how we do it. And that's his safety zone. That's his comfort zone. And no one's going to rock that boat. So we've just got this huge disconnect. Um, and the mainstream media love to drive these narratives as hard as they can. Yeah, definitely. I find it very interesting, the nature of that authoritarianism, both in the workplace and in education. That was something that really I loved. I love your podcast with Safety about homeschooling. I always direct people to, to listen to that who are thinking about exploring alternative ways of education because it, it resonated with me so much. Like as a child, I really didn't understand why I was not a participant in my education. I was a subject mm -hmm. and it was so authoritarian and and it was no coincidence that I was rebelling and pushing boundaries because it seemed absurd to me that this teacher was was almost this um just like unquestionable uh, actor at the front who was telling me what to think and I intuitively understood I should be you know exploring how to think you know this I think you, you talk about it a lot how how the school system actually uh removes your ability and, and wears down your ability to be creative and and it's so dangerous because that's our our natural inclination as humans is to be creative and to to build connections and explore ideas be pioneers and and it really dumbs us down and turns us into robots and you see that in going when that transition happens from from the education system into the workplace you just you're so mechanical and, it, and you, you actually end up in a situation where now you're an adult and you actually have to unlearn all that conditioning. You have to get, actually spend the rest of your life deconditioning yourself from the bad habits you've learned from the schooling system. And it's just it's such a wild situation to find yourself in. Uh, and, and I understand why it's so scary for people because you've got to unlearn everything, all those behaviours, like... But it, it's a really beautiful process at the same time. You could probably speak to some of this. Like I'm going through that now myself now because I'd love to get your mm -hmm. thoughts on this self-directed education because for me now, I'm, I'm actually rekindling my childhood. I'm actively self-directing my education now. I'm doing exactly what I want and learning in a way that I find inspiring. And it's, it's really beautiful to fill up. Peter Pan almost, you know, reconnecting with that, with that inner child. You've, yeah, you've touched on something. Yeah. I'm very deeply passionate about as, as well as Bitcoin, but this, um, and you know, that a saying I'd never heard of before, call it a meme, whatever you want, but you know, if something's free, you're the product mm -hmm. state education is free or it's dressed up to be free. We yeah. know it's not because taxpayers are paying for it, but they meme it at you the whole time. Free education is a human right. That's such a powerful meme to the state. And they are taught time and time again that you are not clever enough to teach your own kids. 
And the reason you believed that is because you went through a system where you didn't feel clever at any stage during your life, even if the even if you were like top A star student, whatever else, speak to any any of those kids, they never felt clever. Because like you said, they had that creativity just taken away from them. They were just going through the motions. School has a hundred percent strike rate at killing and human beings, our species loves to learn. That's how we evolve. That's how we make things better. We learn, we adapt. School takes all of that away, all of it. And it sits you down and it shuts you up and it speaks at you all day long. And you are full of fear and trauma and anxiety every single day because you don't want to step out of line and you don't want to question authority. You don't want to be late ever to anything. You don't want to run in the playground. You don't want to walk on the wrong side of the corridor. You don't want to stand up before the bell. You don't even want to raise your hand. You know, I, I'll take that route through the corridor so I can nip into the toilet. If it's the right gender toilet. <laughs> Fucking hell, right? To, to then get to the science lesson, which you hate because the teacher is just such a freaking... I mean, that... The teachers are suffering just as much as the kids. This is what sure, people need to understand. Sure. They're, right? they're, the teacher... they're, they're handicapped massively. And yep. there's, the, the, you'll love this personal story from my, from my childhood because I think this just speaks to exactly what we're talking about. Basically, my brother had a very vivid imagination as a child, um, used to sit in class and, and chat and, you know, dis distract people, they would say. Mm -hmm. So they, they moved him next to the most uh, intelligent person in the room and he distracted them. So they decided, right, okay, we can't have this. This is unacceptable. So they moved him uh, on his own. They sat him on his own. So what did he start doing? He started speaking to his pencil. And, you know, he just, he just had a very vivid imagination as a child. He was very, he's always been in that creative mindset. And, um, in the end, the, the teachers pull parents in and, and tell, tell my mum that, you know, you need to address this issue. There's, there must be something wrong with your son. And unbelievably, my mum my took him to the doctor and the doctor diagnosed him with uh, a mild form of epilepsy and gave him uh, medication. And fortunately, my mum has, you know, some compassion and some access to some truth within her because once he she put him on the medication turned him into a zombie and was basically like very docile and it was you know as a mother that's the last thing you want to see uh in your child right so like fortunately very quickly pulled him off that and saw that no this is not the right way but how many children must that happen to it's sick mate it's really sick uh, i've done an episode with um Dr. Naomi Fisher about this exactly, uh, because she, this was her job. She was within the system in the UK diagnosing ADHD. That was her job. And, uh, she talks about it, uh, very frankly. Uh, and then thankfully for her, she saw through what was going on and she now with her own kids, uh, so, um, she, she leads self-directed education lifestyle because she saw what the system was doing to kids and she saw who was behind it and it was big pharma and 
you, you can go back and listen to the episode if anybody's interested. Just uh, search Once Bitten, Naomi Fisher, and she talks about all of this. But so Ken Robinson's also, also spoken about this. Uh, yeah, your brother's a perfect example. Um, can't sit still in class. Like, you know, why should he? Yeah, no, no shock, kid, right? No kid should be able to. Uh, my my favorite Ken Robinson quote is, um, you can't sit an eight-year-old down for eight hours a day to practice low-grade clerical work and not expect <laughs> them to get bored. It's so true. And this is what we're doing to kids. Like, from a, like I said, like a younger and younger age. Now, Naomi figured out what was going on here. So she she calls it, or somebody else, she's, you know, leveraged on somebody else's work, the brain or blame uh, dilemma. After the first move to the to, next to the intellectual kid and then to the to the back of the room, then to mum. And mum's thinking, am I to blame? Or is there something wrong with his brain? It's the two options she faced. Yeah. Because that is the only thing it could be. If she's to blame, she's a bad parent. Right? Yeah. She's not she's not done her job well bringing up her son and it's her fault that he can't sit still in school because you not taught him correctly at home. What the hell's going on in homestead? Do we need to send over the social workers to make sure that everything's fine? Why isn't he like his brother? Why have you tripped up with this one? A horrible What's, situation to, right? to be in. So that's blame. Really nobody wants that. No human being wants that blame. Will never be able to look in that mirror. And frankly, she knew she was not to blame because yeah. she was a good mother. So then it's obviously the brain. Oh, there's something wrong with him. Now I've got to go to the doctor. Let's take him to the doctor. Poor little Jimmy. And But when Naomi was diagnosing this shit, there's two-year waiting lists for these kids. It's a revolving door out of the school into the doctor's office. And wow. the parents are desperate. Because the situation's getting worse and worse at school because that's all I'm asking you to do. Just sit still and listen to the teacher. That's it. That's all I ask. <laughs> and little Jimmy's like, that sounds like hell because it is. I've got to go in eight hours tomorrow, sit around people I don't particularly like and listen to some woman talking about nonsensical stuff I'm not interested in. And I'm not even allowed to look out of the window. Like... That's like the windows, windows in schools, man. Like, geez. <laughs> like, it's no know, wonder people are broken by the time they, they come out of the education system. Like for me personally, I had a full breakdown once I came out of university and started my first mm -hmm. job of, of the mind numbing, soul destroying nature of my life. And the thought of having to do that for 50 years, I was like, I had a full, full on breakdown. Like I couldn't, I couldn't handle that situation. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm blessed to have that situation because it made me really question everything at a young age. And I, I made some changes in my life and, and it's inspired me to, to go in this direction to a large extent. But most people just put up with it. Most people are like, I'm not supposed to enjoy my work. I'm not supposed to enjoy my, my life, my, you know, my education. It's, it's supposed to be uninspiring, which is, I mean, that's so sad. Life's a bitch and then you die. Yeah. Right. People subscribe to that. They say it all the time. I mean, there's T-shirts like that. They actually think that that's what we're on this planet to do. So just to round out what I was talking about, um, that you are almost begging for the diagnosis. Right. The doctors have to follow the certain set list 
and that list is you know made by guess who the scientists that uh you know form up the uh, the big pharma complex yeah. and if you get x amount of ticks then sure you can diagnose adhd or add or whatever it is that uh, the diagnosis um or epilepsy in, in the case of your family uh and then bam thanks very much you're on drugs for the rest of your life so who's making the money yeah and who's getting absolutely killed it's 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 a terrible situation to be passed off so quickly to pharmaceuticals and 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 you know you know once you get in that pharmaceutical loop it, it is for life they they want you to be treated mm -hmm. forever I've, I've seen it in so many different conditions this is a whole other topic in itself but you know people get on a cocktail of drugs there's side effects treating the side effects and it, it's just a it's just a vicious cycle and a, and a negative feedback loop that they ultimately don't get out of and in in a lot of my cases i've witnessed people die from just just being on this cocktail of ph uh, pharmaceutical mm -hmm. drugs which there's no real end route out of now that it's a business model right exactly. and, and the sickest thing the sickest thing about this is there are kids out there that do suffer from the or you know adhd or you know asperger's or whatever right that they need it yeah but they don't get it because the system is too busy diagnosing everyone with this shit. right right just because like you said they're going to make money so much money on the um the repeat business is it the system that is incorrect or wrong and my goodness as a parent you start challenging the education system you're going to get shot down very very quickly because where where's your first point of call It's the teacher right then it's the headmaster then it's the the school board then it's the people above them the time or energy or ability to challenge the school system and you're not going to change it so the it's the brave ones that take the kids out if they're allowed, depending what jurisdiction or country that you live in, because some countries, believe it or not, completely illegal. That's what France are trying to do as of next year. They're trying in to Germany, make it illegal. In Germany, it's uh, mm -hmm. completely homeschooling is completely prohibited. And, uh, and Holland and Sweden. Yeah. Really, just to name a few others. Really crazy situation that you you don't have sovereignty over your own children. I mean, that is that is mind blowing. You know, they're not yours. Mate. Fully integrated into this system to such an extent that you don't even really get choice or, or a basic free will you know we think we live in a democracy i think people um people don't really understand what a democracy is uh, if, if they think this is this is how it looks but it's also interesting that that how, how much that compares to to this bitcoin journey because the only real power we have is to opt out you know, that's that mm -hmm. stop fueling the system. The system is designed perfectly. This is what's been a profound re revolution for me in the past couple of years is the system is is working as perfectly as it's designed to work. It's, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. You can't change the system from within the system. You just have to build a new system. So if you recognize that this is not the way forward, I don't feel aligned with these values. This is not for me. You have to take responsibility for that and opt out and and kudos to you for doing that with your children. And I'd, I'd love to love to hear about some of the the changes that you've seen in them. You know, like how 
yeah, what's what's been the what's been sort of the rewarding aspects of of going into that self-directed education process? Yeah, so the f- the first thing we did uh, when, if I go back to like the birth of the twins, uh, it took me uh, three years to extricate myself from from work. Uh, you know, I basically quit, pulled off the band aid. Um, we sold everything we had and decided we wanted to travel. Um, and we, this was 2014 and we found a few family blogs, uh, about digital nomads and people doing it with families. And we're like, Hmm. Okay. So the people out there that are doing this joined a few, uh, online groups, um, shared ideas, got confidence, got conviction and went for it. Um, so we spent the next two and a half years traveling around the world. We were just bouncing around wherever we could get a home swap. So we, we had a, uh, holiday home on the Island of, um, Koh Samui in Thailand, which, um, I'd bought when uh, we were in Singapore, but not for one minute did I think that we'd be able to leverage a property in the way that we leveraged it via like uh, a home sharing community, okay. home swapping, uh, home exchange, whatever you want to call it. So we, we went there first of all, uh, for, for a month or two, just to try and like figure out what have we just done? <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> hang on a minute. Like, all right, no job, no kids in school, living in Thailand, um, you know, 30 day visa to 30 day visa sort of thing. Like, mm, what's the next step here? We've got an eight year old, a six year old and two, three year olds. <laughs> And I, I think back until you do these things and you realize that there's such little risk involved, um, you know, it, it would have been riskier for me, for my health to have just sat in that position that I was in, you know, uh, yeah. and for everybody else's health as well, because all of a sudden we all just started, um, spending more time together. Um, it was, it was a challenge, especially for me because I had gone from being a weekend dad to a 24 seven dad right and a weekend husband to a 24 7 husband and that was a change for me but it was also a change for the other five people in the house sure so there was some you know we, we needed to relearn on actually how to live with each other and um um so i think you know b- being in that position of then traveling everywhere and being pushed to adapt and you know need to find accommodation wherever we were going because we ended up in uh you know certain countries we flew to australia for example we wanted to be there for two months and we only had accommodation in place for two weeks so then you're just reaching out to as many people as possible you're trying to piece all this huge puzzle together so you got very creative uh started learning a, a you know a great deal myself watching the kids watching the kids learn how they learn understanding what they were interested in uh, you know, they're not identical. We've got a boy and a girl, uh, but their learning styles and uh, their needs and their wants are completely different. And that must have been Com- a beautiful journey, right? To start actually connecting with your children and, and you know, observing mm-hmm. these uh, idiosyncrasies between them and, and yeah, getting to know them, right? Like that's the sad part of our fiat culture is that it pulls families apart and you end up children go and leaving home and parents have barely had an opportunity to get to know them on a deeper level. That's why you have this, um, kind of a situation of doting grandparents, right? 
because all of a sudden they realize, shit, I missed all of this. I wasn't around, especially right, for the okay. dad. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's sad. And so when um, when when the exes have their kids and, and they start coming along and the grandparents are doting all over them, they're like, hmm? I don't remember you being like this with me. Like, what? <laughs> why was that? And it's, um, you're right, it's an attack on the family on, on all fronts and this fiat system. And it is, it's aggressively pushed women into the workplace as well. And that is by design. It's by design because you want, as a government, as a state, you want as many taxpayers under your jurisdiction as possible. So yeah, guess what? You know, the, 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 the women's rights movement back in the, uh, the 50s and the 60s, that was a pain in their side until they realized, wait, hang on a second, we can use this. Also creates an industry of, of childcare and daycare. The, 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 you know, it's, they've created yep. and they've increased their tax base tenfold through that process. Mm -hmm. It's very, very intelligent, actually. Yep. And then when you start unraveling all of that, you're just like, Jesus, was everything a lie? Right. And you're like, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. It's it's a real, um, oh, I said it's an endless rabbit hole, isn't it? I mean, and it's and it's and it's scary. It's a scary process because you have to really confront your own uh, illusions. You know, all the all the completely incorrect mental models you've been projecting into this world for so long, and yeah, it's it's such a it's it's really it can be really destabilizing and and. I think that's that's the powerful piece of Bitcoin where that fits in is like it, it is that hope that, that comes into the to not just the system, but the psychology of a, of a person as well to see see some sense, some some sanity return, you know, like just. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you could speak to how how that shifted your your life and how how at what point did that enter your journey and, and how, mm -hmm. what was the impact of, of that? Um, not just on a financial level, but as we know, it also has a big psychological impact as well. Yeah. So I known about Bitcoin pre Mt. Gox. Um, so it was, um, I remember reading reports about it obviously, you know, being on, uh, in foreign exchange and this new geek money from the internet coming out like, yeah, yeah, whatever guys, like, you know, good luck. There's no way in the world you're going to um, get me changing my dollars or anything else for, for this crazy, you know, magic internet money token type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have fun. Uh, and then it was 2014 that we started to travel. And obviously I had more time throughout the day to start diving into things that were, were interesting. And I had a, a huge need to manage my finances more professionally. Uh, um, hoodwinked by many a financial advisor, uh, thought I was doing the right thing as a young man and, and trying to save, um, but being put into these funds that end up just robbing you of administration charges and whatever else, legacy financial bullshit. Uh, so I was learning more and more about that and, um, you know, how could I stretch the money that I'd worked so hard to save for? How could I make this lifestyle actually work? Is there a way for me to leverage that? Uh, and just kept reading and reading and reading and, and trying to look for answers. And uh, it was 
the start of Real Vision, they they had just launched. I knew the co-founder Grant, who lived in uh, Singapore, and we would uh, chat about markets and Bitcoin, this nonsensical money. What do you think? He's like, yeah, we got some coming up. I'm like, oh wow, okay. So I watched them. You know, they, they Trace Mayer back at the time, Tour de Mista, uh, Wences, uh, and a few others. I was blown away. I was like, what the hell? this like this is not what i thought it was and i just started trying to find more and more videos and found andreas um and started watching his videos and reading his uh his articles and whatever he was doing whatever content found the dollar vigilante at some point jeff berwick uh you know it was it was tough to find that information uh and it was tough to buy like really tough to buy yeah and i still had a lot of questions uh unanswered but you know, listened to good advice and got everything off exchanges and onto hardware wallets uh, as we were traveling. That was another, you know, uh, challenge in itself. Uh, learning about it, different jurisdictions, trying to set up accounts, trying to get your hands on some of it, trying to work it all out. But it was just purely for number go up, purely right. for like, if I if I stick some money here, keep some in my stocks, I keep some there then okay fine and then 2017 happens and it's like right if i sell some bitcoin for some ethereum or for some litecoin or for some dash uh then i'm you know diversified in crypto and i'm still spending hours like researching all of these different things listening to the um interviews of, with, with these new project founders and whatever else so i went down the shitcoin route uh thankfully learned well i learned the hard way and that's why i'm such a maxi and air quotes now whenever i talk to new people that are asking me about um you know this this crypto verse and you know what is bitcoin and what are all these others it's like no please please yeah. learn from from my mistake that and countless others is, uh, is necessary <laughs> yeah uh so it took a long time for me to feel the effects fully of um the orange pill kind of getting into your uh, bloodstream. It takes time to digest, doesn't it? It's, mm -hmm. it? It took me a long time to process as well. And it and it takes a while before things really come into alignment and you really gain a bit more of a fuller perspective, definitely. It slowly starts rewiring your neurons in your <laughs> brain. It, it's amazing. It, you, you know, you wake up one morning, you're like, hmm, I had a few epiphanies last night. <laughs> what were they again? And they're always there and they always come back and like, ah, right. Yeah. And then you can join that dot to something you, that you listened to maybe six months ago. Like, ah, that's what he was talking about in that podcast. Or that's what that article was about. Yeah, and just, that's yeah. why that part is important. And it's just clicked. Yeah. Okay. What's going to click next? This is, this is cool, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's very addictive when this all starts happening and it didn't start really clicking for me uh, until years later. I could start just ripping through the books and what was really interesting content from people from all over the world and from different sectors and you're like wow like you know he's you know reading Knut von holm's book he's like this is a guy that used to sail around the world and was um uh like a crew manager at a swedish shipping company writing a book about bitcoin <laughs> andy edstrom is a financial planner on the west coast of the us writing a book about bitcoin I'm like what you know gg 21 lessons he's a he's a software developer in in austria writing a book about bitcoin you're like what who are all these characters yeah 
Like, what is all of this information? And Breedlove starts dropping his articles, and you're like, okay, he's a fund manager in, in air quotes, whatever it is, um, uh, chief investment officer that he had set up his own business, deep historical content, and then safe, an ex academic professor of Keynesian economics that was, you know, teaching this at university, broken free, thrown his whole career away to write a book about Bitcoin. It all was just like, man, what is going on? What is going on? And that was the impetus for me to start the, the podcast. And I started the podcast right at the beginning of 2020. Um, because I just couldn't get enough and I wanted to speak to these guys. And I figured, well, if I can start a podcast, uh, I have a laptop, I have a mic. I'd interviewed people before uh, on some homeschooling global summits that we'd done okay. online. Uh, so I'd had the, uh, you might deem like famous or of celebrity value um, and realized hmm, they're just people and yeah. they're more than willing to give up their time and they want, they've got a message to share. And if this is another platform for them to go on and help somebody else learn about it, then a couple of hundred people might learn about it too. And, you know, and on you go. Yeah. So I started the podcast and I've, I've not looked back since, since, since starting the podcast, it's gone on to, you know, it's full speed ahead. Like yeah. the, the education that I've, managed to download in my brain um massive fast and, track i imagine you know that there's an mm -hmm. incredible personal experience to to refine your knowledge and to to yeah be exposed to all these different ideas and and the beauty of bitcoin is the community is so eclectic right like it's, it's such a wide variety of uh, backgrounds that um yeah it's just teaching you to be more open-minded about everything and when you this is the the psychological shift as well when you realize what you are interacting with and what you are holding um is basically savings technology to put it in very very layman's terms and you now have the power uh again for me because i lived in a world where there were interest rates at one stage when i was earning money i could put my money on deposit and i could earn interest and it would outpace or at least equal uh inflation but many generations, uh, or the last two generations, for example, have never known that right. and might never know that. But Bitcoin is it. Bitcoin's your only option. Arse off all day for money that they are controlling and they are manipulating. And you're running after that and they change the rules on it every single day. Whatever you're earning is losing value every single day. And you're trying your best to get your hands on that. And the people are stealing it from you at the top and the people are stealing it from you at the bottom, because at the top you have the elites that control the money. The elites, that's just the wrong word, isn't it? The fucking criminals that are you know, <laughs> yeah, controlling Spets, the money. He doesn't like to use that term. It gives them too much uh, credibility. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, who are stealing the money via, you know, the, the, the printing, and the effect that that has on devaluing, you know, your, your house hasn't gone up in value. Your money has gone down in purchasing power. It's that yeah. simple. 
the house doesn't know it even exists. It's just bricks and mortars. It sits there. Yeah. Right? There's, <laughs> there's no reason that's eight hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, especially if you've not improved it, right? Like uh, I was talking to my dad about that exact same same thing. I was like, if you buy a house and then five years later it's worth 30 40 percent more, and you've not done anything to it, what's really happened there? Nothing's. The house hasn't changed, like you say. It's just bricks and mortar. The the money's decreasing in its purchasing power, and and it's been interesting for me to try and. Because I think that's what's cool about the podcasting and exploring these ideas is is reformulating uh, how we communicate and recalibrating how we communicate in a way that is uh, digestible. Because I think there's it's such a big topic, Bitcoin, and it's such a multidisciplinary topic where you have to understand such various aspects of our existence that it's really overwhelming for people and and. That's why it's such a big rabbit hole, but um, I think that's that's our role, isn't it? To to make it more digestible, mm-hmm. to make it more um, understandable, and um, yeah, just easier to to interact with. If yeah, and and once you feel that power of storing your time and energy in Bitcoin, you know, I, I said uh, the other day, I spoke to Gigi yesterday. You know, if you work hard for Bitcoin, Bitcoin will work harder for you in return. Right. Because the number will go up, you know, it's designed to pump forever, Matt yeah. Odell. Uh, <laughs> and this, this is because there will only ever be 21 million. It's this hard cap. This is another thing we cannot ever get our heads around to spur the economy or the Bank of England injects 150 billion pounds to spur the economy. And we're like, oh, yes, this is going to be great. Everything's roses. And people think they're getting rich because they're, like you said, their house is going up in value. I haven't touched it for five years. That house has sat there and atrophied for five years, but has it gone up in value by 30%? And the roads and the infrastructure around it have just got worse, but the house has gone up 30 to 40% in price. It doesn't make sense. It's no. all on its head. This system is completely in reverse to what is intuitive to us. Yeah. And it's intuitive to us that if you work hard, you should be rewarded. You should have the ability to save that for the future. Whatever it is to you that's important that you are trying to save for is being stolen. Unless you put it into Bitcoin. It's so nefarious, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the the fact that the, the money has been bastardized so much that everyone is scrambling to find stores of value in everything but money. Like that's why we invented money. That's why money is such a useful mm-hmm. tool. And it's so like up is down and down is up now. It's such a squirrely world we live in. And it's funny because people intuitively know it at their core. They know something mm-hmm. is wrong. They know it stinks. Everything, especially the last two years. I mean, the, everything that's happened with Corona has really ripped the bandaid off of this zombie economy that we live in. And um, yes, it's, it's, it's interesting as we all go on this personal journey of, of self-discovery, but also discovering this big grand illusion that we've all been living under for such a long time. So you, you bring up something there, um, yeah, like consumer goods, right? Consumer goods acting as a store of value. Yeah. These are all going to start falling over very, very quickly into Bitcoin because a consumer good should not be a store of value. There's it's just a house is a consumer good. That's all it should be. I mean, it's a capital good if you're buying it to rent out. You know, it can act as a capital good in that way. But it really, it's just shelter. 
it's a consumer good it's to for you to use and abuse and leave and go find another one whenever is to to suit you wine is a consumer good why I know who's out there going to be like, oh, what are you talking about? I've got a Chateau Le Tour 1942, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, try drinking it, right? Well, no, I'd never open it. So what's the point? It's a consumer good. It should be there to enjoy with your friends and family. Yeah, it's got a story to it. Enjoy that story and it will make new memories, right? It's a consumer good. It's not a store of value. Watches are to tell the fucking time, guys, <laughs> right? It's a consumer good. Cars are a consumer goods. They've been pushed into this store of value. You know, what gets classed a classic and people, these, these guys, they're, they're making so much money around all of these things. It's classed as a classic car and you can get a tax cut on this and blah, blah, blah. So everybody runs out and buys classic cars because they think they're going to go up in value. Cars are to be driven. <laughs> they're to get you from A to B, right? The art is a consumer good. It's to hang on your wall not to pay someone to store in a dusty basement somewhere or a vault and just hope, hope that in 10 years time, somebody's going to come along that's got a lot of money that likes that particular picture. Don't get me started on fucking NFTs, mate. <laughs> like, seriously. You know, think about all of these things. Antiques, sure. If it's really, really scarce, sure, it, it might hold its value. But against what? You, you can probably sell it for $100,000 in the future. Well, that $100,000 isn't going to buy you the same as it's going to buy you today. It's still going down in purchasing pal, um, power. That, that, that consumer good that you, are, you have been forced into finding some kind of value in, it's sick. And so all of this money is going to start coming out of these when people start waking up and realizing, wait a minute, I'm taking a punt on a case of wine that might be vinegar in 10 years time, just gonna start waking up. And it's, um, you know, houses, people who've got houses, I know countless Bitcoiners that had multiple houses, selling them all. Yeah. Selling them all. I've got a, uh, a friend of mine in the UK right now, two, selling houses because they wanna put it into Bitcoin. And because the market's so hot right now, because of all the chicanery that's been going on in the UK property market, we're like, oh, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, stamp duties doesn't matter. Like, you know, yeah, you'll get like, okay. So we don't have to pay stamp duty. No, not for now, not for the next six months. So what does that do? It just drives a frenzy in the property. This is the first sign of inflation, hyperinflation. People think they're getting rich and they think they're getting rich because they're looking at their property that's gone up 30% in the last nine months. And they're like, oh, my property's worth 650,000 pounds. And they think that's their net worth. Yeah. They don't realize they only own 15% of the bloody thing. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a house of cards to a, to a big extent. Yep. And, and, and I think this is the, these are the symptoms that are the big red flags that this is the end of this system is it couldn't be clearer to me, you know, this wild speculation in all these different asset classes and, at the end of the day, there's there's gonna come a point where it it has to you know cause an effect. It has to unravel. It we it's so unbelievably unsustainable, and I, I've I've felt it intuitively for ten years, and and now I understand mm -hmm. it on a bit of a deeper level through the principles that I've learned in Bitcoin and 
it's yeah it seems um it just seems super inevitable this this hyperinflationary uh process we're going to enter within in my mind the next five years yeah and we've all been fooled into thinking whatever we've whatever path we've cho chosen um in in this fiat system whatever your career might be you've fooled yourself into thinking that you're important in some way and uh contributing to society <laughs> many people out there well the world wouldn't be able to turn if it weren't for for my firm doing this and creating this and you know it's 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 all smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. and you're right it all it is all going to come um crashing down and we've had so much time stolen from us and we've had you know and that time should be ours for us to explore you know what we're passionate about Gigi called this yesterday when i spoke to him a, a meaning crisis and a lot of people face this in the lockdowns you know like hang on a minute yesterday i had to fight my way onto a train to get in to do my job hours instead of eight i don't have the three hour round trip and i've got all this time to do whatever like what am i gonna do i don't know me yeah. what am i interested in i have no clue and you might go outside and start you know doing the garden up for whatever reason and all of a sudden you're like i love this digging holes in the ground planting plants you know you know uh, growing vegetables whatever it is or you start doing diy around the house and you realize that you just have this knack of of making things look better and making things look nicer and you can just look at a piece of two by four and you can saw that up and you can fix a wardrobe that you've not been able to fix for years and you would have paid someone in the past to do and you're like holy shit, who am i <laughs> right this is you don't so know important. yeah i think this is something that's so powerful with bitcoin is that it actually speaks to the existential crisis in our society and you can't separate the spiritual from the economic like we are we're experiential beings we experience the world through our human actions and you can't distill economics from spiritual meaning and purpose in life the two are intertwined and um it's it's, it's a thread that's running throughout uh, our crisis is this disconnect from nature uh, not only the nature of, of the planet, but mostly uh, the nature of ourselves, right? This disconnect from our own true nature of, like you say, like, who am I? I've not had a five minute break to connect with who I am, what I'm interested in and shit. I don't even know my strengths, my weaknesses. Like, it's so uh, mind blowing that, that people aren't afforded the time to ask these deeper, deeper questions, because like you say, the, the time's being stolen from you. And and I, I love that about Bitcoin is it's real fuck you money. You know, it gives me the power to say no. I say no, I don't need to do whatever it is you're trying to leverage over me. I'm going to go do this thing. I'm actually interested. Thank you. Interested in. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, it's a really powerful thing. It's a really inspiring thing. And uh, it's been interesting getting into the Bitcoin community this year and, and, and sort of, you know, finding so much inspiration in the midst of all this chaos, because without it, I mean, fortunately, I've got some spiritual foundations within myself, but in terms of a collective, in terms of systemic change, I wouldn't have much hope if it wasn't for Bitcoin, because I think it's so revolutionary that we've got this system to walk into, like never before in history have we when there's been this system collapse, this empire fall in, we've never had another system to walk into. 
and it's and it's and it's almost effortless to walk into this system you know it, there's no cost involved to going into this system it's completely peaceful which is uh oh, it's really inspiring and gives me a lot of hope for the future yeah it's the the one that i mean it's hope.com right i mean um sailors sailors done it there yeah. as well hasn't he <laughs> in that domain uh but it is hope uh, and i love toma strolite's film the other day um the, uh, that he released uh, with with Swan, um, you know, just kind of like going through and uh, and laying that out, like the the, the hope. I, I called, I tweeted it out yesterday. Um, truth chain, not blockchain, because it's a chain of truth. Yeah. Since the very first block, you know, Jan third, two thousand nine, every transaction has been truthful every single one and you cannot say that about anything else I, i'm talking about financial assets so you know it's truth it's a complete truth chain and every 10 minutes it reaudits itself and those audits are being done by fifteen thousand nodes around the world that are all agreeing that yes in the last 10 minutes all of these transactions took place no one was cheating the system. Everybody owns what everybody should own. End of story. I'll check back in another 10 minutes. Yes. Everything that, yeah, and it just keeps going. TikTok, next block, right? Uh, there's a new all-time high every 10 minutes is another um, great way to think about it. And that's the block height. Everybody that is using this to store their value in or using it to transact in, which is happening for anyone that's listening, thinking, yeah, I'll never be able to use my Bitcoin. Um, countries around the world are already doing it. El Salvador, for yeah. example, there's a there's two conferences going on right now in El Salvador. Uh, a friend of mine, Peter Young, is writing threads on Twitter about um, how he's uh, using the Lightning Network and, and paying for his lunches and his dinners and whatever else and interacting with Bitcoin over there and uh, and the people and seeing how effortless and seamless it is and this is going to happen very very quickly that people there are going to get it they're all going to want it and they're all going to change their ethics and their business practices to get as much of bitcoin as possible it drives good behavior you're going to have to work for it you're going to have to earn it mm -hmm. and if you want to work and earn it you've got to appeal to those people that have it and you have to offer them an incredibly good service and it has to be a, uh, a service that needs, that deems rewarding. And this is how the, uh, the transfer of wealth is going to happen. First of all, there, there's going to be very few people that hold Bitcoin. Then all of a sudden, the rest of the world's going to wake up and like, whoa, we want Bitcoin. The only way they're going to be able to really get it is to work for it because it's going to be a million, two million, five million a coin. And they're not going to, they'll never get the full coins unless they start working for him and charging their uh, services in, in Bitcoin. And this is when you get this redistribution of wealth. Because the best developers and the best engineers and the best sales executives are going to want Bitcoin. They're going to want to be paid in Bitcoin. And there's only one company that's offering that. All the Apple guys, all the Microsoft guys, all the Google guys, sure, maybe they've got enough fiat money they can change into Bitcoin, but at one stage, they're gonna, I want as much as possible. I want to be paid in Bitcoin. Hey, Sergey, can you uh, pay me in Bitcoin? No, nah, can't do it. Tim Cook, can you pay me in? No, nah, can't do it. Right, okay, I'm gone. 
see you later. I'm going to go and work for Michael Saylor at MicroStrategy and Saylor's going to be beating people. The best people in the world are going to want to work at and MicroStrategy. you're already seeing it happen, aren't you? I, I, was mm-hmm. it Ray Dalio's um, CTO that went over to um, Nidig and, you know, this is yep. there's so many... Like you say, the incentives, this is what's beautiful about Bitcoin is it reorganizes and recalibrates the incentives. And, you know, we we act in accordance to our incentives, you know, it's, it's how we are so, so successful in our environment. And now that it's flipped the game on its head, it's going to be such a beautiful process of this black hole just consuming everything day by day, hour by hour, slowly but surely. And um, and I think you make a really important point that you have to work for it. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're so used to in this culture getting a free lunch that mm-hmm. a lot of these socialists, especially who worry me a little bit, you know, expect this now, expect the government handouts, expect the government to take your children from you, expect mm-hmm. the government to pay you to sit at home and put your feet up. You know, there's no free lunch in this world. We're not, we wouldn't have been successful as a species if there was such free lunches you know like it's it's not the way we're designed so um because that's been a lot of pushback i've i've had from especially french people who are very socialist i don't know what your experience is but oh my god my, my younger friends are so so socialist and explicitly communist as well they would call themselves yep. you know and their their issue with bitcoin is that you're just going to have people with money going into bitcoin and having their money in bitcoin they, they almost expect this uh, equality of outcome of where it's distributed at the same rate to everyone, forgetting the fact that we're all different, we've all got different uh, appetites to do certain things, different um, you know, inspirations and, and work ethics, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't have this expectation that you're just going to be handed things and, and life's going to be hunky-dory and, you know, the government's going to take care of you because that's exactly what got us in this predicament. It's exactly why we are where we are. And it's only when we get off the tip of the state that we can really, like, carve our own path. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big truth bomb there is you will only ever own as much Bitcoin as you deserve. Yeah. It's that simple. Like people can push back against that and say, oh, yeah, well, it's okay for you guys that have had a 30 year career and you've got money that you can put into it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of of course. But at the end of the day, that is money that we worked for in the past. And we've done the research to understand what Bitcoin is. And we've taken a risk and put that money into Bitcoin and we will only ever have as much as we deserve. Uh, and that goes for, yeah, like people sitting on the couch that are taking their UBI or their furlough payments and expect money just to keep falling in their laps. Good luck. It's, it's invisible, pointless paper money that's just being, you know, inflated away. If you get off your ass and go out, the first thing you can do is put that paycheck into Bitcoin if you want, you know, instead of whatever else that you're buying throughout the day that yeah, definitely. As something I've been uh, trying to really ram home with uh, with people is that when they give you a handout, they're stealing from you. Mm-hmm. That's what people don't realize. It's a sleight of hand. It's look over here so you don't see what I'm doing over here. <laughs> and, yep. and, you know, it's got to come from somewhere, you know. I, 
yeah hopefully people are seeing this more and more i think the the conversation around inflation has, has obviously became become very mainstream now you know this is as we can tell that this is a narrative that is really taking hold now and probably going to contribute to a couple of crazy months for for bitcoin um which which i just see the price as nothing more than vindication first of all that you know this system is crumbling and it's it's the canary in the coal mine right like it's why bitcoin wouldn't be doing well if we had a good system that's the point right like if we had an honest fair value that we all worked on bitcoin would be this geeky little thing in the corner and no one would be bothered by it but that's clearly not the case not the case at all and imagine you're 40 years old right you've had a 20 year career you're you're still banging it out you think you've got maybe 20 30 years maybe 20 if you can really nail it over the next 20 years maybe you could be done by 60 yeah what's going on is at the top they're stealing from you because they're printing money and they're also taken from you in the form of taxes and in the uk you're probably paying anywhere between 35 to 50 percent tax right say you're 40 years old you've got a decent career they take that tax from you. Then where do they give that? They give that free money down to those people that are, have chosen welfare as a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle choice and they know how to work the system. You know, I get an extra kid, I get extra milk money, or if I live in this place, then I get a free house and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. It's, it's bad. It's bad, bad. So you're getting stolen from at the top and you're getting um, stolen from from the bottom because these people are adding zero value to society. Then they malinvest it in ridiculous projects like um, train lines that nobody needs, uh, roads that nobody needs, or overpaying for right, like ridiculous bridges that, uh, that nobody needs or some kind of iconic yeah, thing HS2 that nobody is needs. The, is the most obvious right? one right now. Exactly. And this is going on globally and all of the, you know, the, the amount of money that gets wasted by these uh, unelected bureaucrats that just sit there and have a, a lose a use it or lose it budget in council offices. This is why you see such terrible decisions all over your town. And as a 40 year old, you're sitting there thinking, the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, what is going on? Start slowly. Start learning about Bitcoin. Pick up the Bitcoin standard by Saifedean. Find an app, a trustworthy app, a Bitcoin only app if you can, and just start doing 10 pounds or dollars or yen or euro per week, just to begin with, just as you start learning about it. Don't go all in because you're gonna get really, really anxious and you know it's all gonna, it's gotta be a slow play. And if you do that for one cycle, as we call it in the Bitcoin space, for, for four years until we, we cross the next halving, just, just check in on it like whoa what the hell any of these assets that i was talking about before that you've been you know like holding on to trying to 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 make uh, some kind of value from um and you'll start understanding what what you and i are talking about uh and it's um it's the escape hatch it's the lifeboat it's it's hope yeah 100 percent. it's uh it's been a really breakthrough year and like I was saying, it's, it's really come mainstream now and um, you can't ignore it. You, you really can't ignore it, it's, uh, especially the, you know, going 10x in, in 12 months, essentially. It's it's glaring everyone in the face. I mean, we've obviously had 
speaking to you now we've had quite an interesting week this week with the yeah. book coming out and and admitting it and i wonder how many of them on the sly are, are buying it you know they're they're very shrewd these people they don't want to come out in public because they know that's going to affect price they know they know how to play people and the media so it just makes me wonder how long these people have been stacking for when probably in the media they've been you know slating bitcoin publicly <laughs> There's all of that going on for for certain, for sure, uh, because people, when they first come into it, they they try and um, uh, play the Bitcoin game as they have been playing the legacy fiat system. Yeah. You soon get burnt because rules do not apply. Uh, you know, I love um, mainstream economists coming in and saying, well, this is never going to work because you're like, all right, pal, whatever. <laughs> like, doesn't care. <laughs> it just doesn't care. Like, you know, this, this is something new. What aren't you getting? Like, you know, all, all your models are destroyed, you know, all your cycles are destroyed. You know, the, the, these, these, these memes are true. Yeah. Every other currency, every other fiat currency out there has been eaten to the point of a 1 trillion, uh, market cap in against Bitcoin. Right. So us dollar right now, I think is 1.2 trillion euro um well let, let me pull it up right here uh 1.07 that's the sterling 921 billion currently so, so if you think sterling right no uh, it's it's not reached the trillion uh pounds in market cap oh, in pounds sorry right in pounds yeah so this is it we're on the countdown if so, that means right now it's 48,800. I think the, the, the price is around 53,000 for it to break 1 trillion. Right. We're right on the and cusp. And we're close. We're, we're right on the cusp. So, and then where? And that's sure, just currency, right? That's just one aspect of currency. what money is for, you know? Like, this is what's yep. so mind-blowing for me is that it's not even because people understand it as currency and money. It's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's an entire new financial system. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's, I don't need, I, and we can't even begin to comprehend the impact that's going to have on society. And I, and I love exploring this idea of, of, of the impact it's going to have on our economy and, and, and how that's going to trickle down into our culture, you know, like the, I love this uh, kudos to, to Safedean for, for really cementing the, the time preference um, concept because I think that's such a powerful thing that, that should be really expounded on and, and fleshed out because it mm -hmm. runs through our entire culture and you see it in every aspect of our culture, this, you know, this short-term decision-making for instant gratification and, and it's at the heart of our suffering uh, <laughs> really as a culture and uh, it's, it's so uh interesting when you start flipping over to this low time preference mindset where you delay the in instant gratification towards a more um more delayed gratification and essentially you're reaping what you sow in, in the future how how has that changed your life is there any way that's manifested in in maybe your children or yeah in your day-to-day -day life yeah um we, we got pretty good at delaying gratification um sounds like a bit of a funny thing to say when we were traveling around the world uh, uh no it was certainly low time preference because um we were always thinking how can we make this last as long as we can this, this life that we're on and you know what do we need to change 
and we changed our spending habits uh, when we were traveling. Uh, we we made it a, a mission to see how many. So I kept a spreadsheet every day how much we were spending. How many zero dollar days can we have? Uh, and I think it was five in a five in a row that we managed, and we're still living like kings. Wow! You know, we we still had three square meals. Um, you, you change the food you're eating. You you don't eat anti nutrients. You eat protein for breakfast. Uh, that will keep you going for most of the day. Then, you know, you, you don't find yourself snacking and all of the the shit. Um, so my body changed. Uh, when your body changes, your um, physiology changes. I started working out at the gym because I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to fix a a, a nagging back problem I'd had for sitting. That figured out. Instead of going to spend money at osteopaths or acupuncturists, which I had done, it made me realize, uh, no, I've got the time here to to commit to something you know far better for me, and that's just going strengthen my damn core. Go Take and, responsibility you know, for that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what do I do? I you hire a personal trainer, and you know you 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 spend that money um, on that instead of you know other shit, uh, whatever it is. God knows how many different ways. Uh, learning about health, uh, learning about nutrition, seeing through the education system, that steals so much time from families, so much time and money without you even realizing it. Uh, there's, it changes changes so much, mate. It changes so much. It's uh, It's been an incredible journey and uh, it's an addictive journey as well. Once you, once you can breathe again, right? I, I remember uh, we'd left um uh, singapore We're just waking up one morning as if it was as if an elephant had just got off of my chest it's so liberating yeah it's and i've spoken to other people that have done this um josiah carbon who's been on the, the podcast uh he's coming on again tomorrow just to give us an update and he's another bitcoin pleb he was a project manager for years you know in property and, and whatever else you know, good at his job just quit one day like you know not and he said that just that walk home and then a walk out the next day I just stopped and looked up and I could hear the birds singing and I just watched the clouds and I felt the breeze on my face he'd done that walk 15 years every day never noticed never that's how liberating it can be right? no and it's um, that's what Bit that's the power of Bitcoin as well I'll get on with learning about what I want to learn about, finding out who I am, connecting with the people who interest me and can, I can add value to or I can learn from. Yeah, the, the, the world we live in is upside down. Bitcoin writes the capsized boat, so to speak. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's, uh, it brings order to the chaos, which is, is what money should be doing. Um, Instead, we're we're fumbling around in the dark. Just yeah, it's. I've noticed it a lot with with my life. Um, interestingly, for me personally, it was uh, Bitcoin was always in the background, and it wasn't until I had a bit of a spiritual revolution at the beginning of this year then it became front and center. So it was a little bit different to the to the typical Bitcoin story in that you know it was a bit of a reverse engineered for me in that sense. It was. And that's what, what, made what was the spiritual what was the spiritual kind of uh shock what, yes. what happened there so basically at the end of last year i 
I realized the trajectory of our culture with lockdowns and everything that was going on with the craziness. And I had, I still had a lot of sadness and a lot of anger at the way the world was. And I've been practicing Vipassana meditation for three and a half years now. And I hadn't, um, I hadn't uh, participated in a, in a 10 day silent course. So before, uh, before this year, I'd only sat two 10 day silent courses and a pretty intense program. You sit for 10 hours of meditation for 10 days in complete silence. And bloody uh, hell. Yeah, it's super, super intense, but really, really powerful. And um, so I'd done two of those before this year. And then I went to do another one in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, the way Can I um, ask you a question? What, what, whilst you're doing that for that 10 hours, are you being yeah. trained to, to look for nothing? Like nothing, you're supposed to block thoughts out or you're supposed to see the thoughts for what they are and then just like let them float on by? Yeah, so it's, 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 it's pretty much a guided meditation in terms of a step-by-step process that you're being taken through. There's different levels to it. Um, it starts off with just observing your natural breath and then you move into observing your sensations on day, on day four. You start observing your sensations and exploring the feelings and sensations you're having in your body. And the idea is to just observe your, your, this phenomena uh, objectively. So basically accepting that everything changes. This is the law of nature. That's just the objective Mm -hmm. truth of the law of nature. And by understanding that you have all this really deep stuff come up and it's, and it's, that's the difficult part is maintaining that objectivity and that, that, that balance of mind, what we would call like equanimity uh, when this difficult emotions are coming up. Cause obviously, you know, what the monkey mind's like is taking, pulling you around in all sorts of different directions. Oh yes all sorts of craziness that whatever your personal situation is that you've been involved in. So um, I went, I knew I had to do that because I had a really tough 2020 and I knew I had to process some of that uh, energy. So I went to Poland and um, ended up volunteering instead of sitting the course. So it's all done. It's a really beautiful organization. It's all done by volunteers. So essentially I worked in the kitchen, serving the food to the students who were sitting in silence and, as a, as a server, we're allowed to speak, you know, it's like a normal working environment, except for the fact that you're meditating three hours a day. So it's compulsory three hours a day for, for, for service as a volunteer. And I, and I saw that the people were staying there long term, you can do something called long term service. So I applied to say for three months. And uh, I'm basically living like a monk for three months, you know, not have that very limited access to my phone, uh, no intoxication no sex, all these distractions that we usually have in our life. Um, I, I, I gave them up for three months. And then at the end of my three month service, I, I sat a 10 day course and um, everything just became very clear to me. Uh, every, everything just really, the dust really settled on, on why I was agitated, why I was angry and, and realizing it all came from me. It all came from my uh discomfort my own my own instability you know like this understanding that i have the keys to my peace at all times and i get to decide when someone behaves in a certain way whether i give them the keys to to my peace and let them disturb me and and that was so empowering because now now no one can disturb me because i'm fully responsible for my peace at at all times so um i had that and i've been aware of bitcoin for for uh, about eight years but never taken the dive to 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 learn about it uh, I, I bought a little bit at the end of last year but i was obsessed with everything that was going on in my personal life and it was 
it's this is why I love Gigi when he talks about when he brings spirituality into it because it's so intertwined and it was so amazing for me to it was as if my unconscious mind had been blocking me from seeing Bitcoin because I wouldn't have respected it before. I was in such a uh, hedonistic lifestyle before this year that I would have just gone traveling and spunked it and lived that sort of lavish lifestyle probably. And it was as if my own un unconscious mind was waiting until I was mature enough to respect Bitcoin to the extent that, oh, okay, this is a savings technology. This is, you know, something I'm going to, save for the rest of my life and leverage it as and when necessary if I really need to but it's it, it was very interesting how I had that eureka moment so to speak and then suddenly Bitcoin was just fully front and center in my mind and at that point I really dived in you know the sovereign individual Bitcoin standard um podcast and just like you said earlier you know it becomes an addiction to the point where you discover and then you discover twitter and the community on twitter and and that's a whole rabbit hole in itself so um yeah it was really incredible to dive into that whole what would your what would your monk mates think of you being on bitcoin twitter <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting it's interesting i feel like this is my contribution to the community is to bring this spiritual element to to Bitcoin because Bitcoin's great. It's going to revolutionize society. I have no doubt in that. But you also have to do the spiritual internal work. It doesn't, it, it's not a free lunch in terms of making you a good person, you know, like it doesn't mean that you're just because just because you're into Bitcoin that oh, suddenly all my values are aligned and now I'm this sort of very principled person. Don't get me wrong, a lot of people in Bitcoin tend to be like that because they value these core principles like freedom honesty love peace you know that's a very core part of truth yeah. yeah yeah truth exactly so um but you also as with everything right you get the other side you get the outliers that are very angry still that are very mm -hmm. you know got some internal issues we've all got our own problems going on in life and you never really know what people are going through so yeah i feel like that's my angle into into bitcoin is to just is to just shed light on on these uh, more spiritual aspects that i've been through and um it's been a really profound year for me i've done you know i've gone from working uh for myself and earning money in the, in the rap race and and all i've done this year is volunteer and educate myself about permaculture and you know volunteered working in a kitchen for for the vipassana meditation uh, organization and it's just been so rewarding you know it's just especially serving other people like it's, it's actually selfish in a way. Like, I'm not going to say I'm some sort of martyr by like serving people. It's actually, I do it for my own self-development. It, it I do it because it's fulfilling. That's the main thing. It's actually, there's, it's, there's a selfish nature to the way I serve because it's, it's like I say, it's, it's really uh, inspiring and, and fulfilling for me. Yeah. Help a random person, uh, help a random stranger each day and just see the difference that makes, uh, you know, for the listeners out there that it's incredible. Um, I, I did a, um, I did something when we were traveling to, to show the kids, I would say good morning to, to complete strangers, uh, especially in New York. New York was amazing <laughs> because everybody's just in the rat race. It was like head down, max on, uh, you know, they're fighting their way through the traffic and we're fighting our way through the traffic the other way because we're going to visit the museum or going to Central Park. Yeah. I'm just saying good morning to all of these people <laughs> and, and smiling, just a random smile. And I say to my kids, you know, you get what you give. Uh, Give someone a smile today. See what you get back. 
because if you smile at someone they're going to smile back at you you cannot stop yeah. it it's a human emotion 100% it's crazy um but we've forgotten it so so quickly and these people I was saying good morning to just random commuters uh you know walking past on the street they'll be so shocked they'd be like <laughs> that's the first bit of humanity that they've experienced in weeks probably years on that walk and it's yeah. some random British bloke with his four kids and wife in tow. And they're all saying, Daddy, stop it. Daddy, stop it. You're embarrassing <laughs> us. Daddy, I'm saying good morning to people. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> this is crazy. And it's so weird that like people are uncomfortable with that. But um, I want to pick up on something you said, which uh, you know is a big meme in the Bitcoin space. Is not your keys, not your coins. But what you're saying is not your keys, not your happiness. Not your yes. keys, not your peace. That's a yeah, that's a really nice one. That could be a definite meme for sure. Um, Go for it, brother. Yeah, this is yeah, this yeah. is you. This is this is your <laughs> shtick. You, you and John Vallis need to have a conversation. He he would be able to do this way more justice than than I could. He's he's been on the uh, psychedelics and, and things like that. I, I've. Uh, I've yet to fall down that rabbit hole. Uh, I've done meditation in the past, nothing like you're talking about. I'd have just used Headspace for 10 minutes a day. Um, found it very, very interesting. Found it helped a lot when I needed it. Yeah. Don't know why I don't do it again anymore. I find meditation in, um, in the form of gardening. I, I love doing that. Or, or forestry. I've got a little forest on uh, the land that we, um, that we live oh, on. Beautiful. It's definitely a, you know, a very profound form of meditation being in nature, I find. Not with a chainsaw, perhaps. But, you know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> but know. The, there's, I'm sure there's something it, primal you're reconnecting with there as well. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, it needs cleaning out. Um, it's uh, you know, forestry is uh, is um, an art form in itself. You know, if it, I can see already the plants that have probably not been able to sprout for years and years because they've been under this undergrowth or trapped under the brambles and whatever else, which I'm clearing away. And you're seeing all of this new life. And, uh, you know, that again is addictive. Uh, I can't wait to get back out there today. Awesome. <laughs> you'll only, like I said, you'll only have as much Bitcoin as you deserve. And that comes down to the work and whether that's educating yourself or working for it, that's what it's going to be for the rest of your life. Because we're moving on to this. This is it. Our, our, our species is evolving onto a new medium of exchange, period. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. It uh, feels very inevitable. And um, I think uh, every day that, you know, it continues on this trajectory, more and more people uh, are, are verifying that, that understanding. And, and yeah, it's just, it's like evolution. It happens slowly but surely, uh, and I'm sure there will be a, a gradually, then suddenly effect to all of this as well. There's going to reach a point where it reaches critical mass, and um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit chaotic, I imagine, in in the interim for, for this system as it starts to fracture a little bit more. But you know, what what, what more beautiful thing than than uh, being able to opt out into a peaceful voluntary system where honesty and truth is is respected yeah it's here to stay it's not going away um it's people's choice now to if they're listening to this podcast there's there's plenty of resources go listen to a few more podcasts and if you are that 40 year old guy with the two kids that's staring down another 30 years at work let that sink in this this asset bitcoin can move that forward 15 years in a heartbeat.
Yeah, it's that simple. But you've got to do it. 100%. And maybe my last question to you then would be, what advice would you have for any aspiring digital nomads or even just generally people that are wanting to take that leap of faith and, and do something that they've always been interested in, but maybe they've felt uh, limited and, and held back by, by this fiat culture and, and fiat jobs that we have to do? Society, uh, the, the social construct that surrounds us, especially right now is so, um, it's got a grip around your neck. It's got a knee on your neck. It's got a foot on your neck. They don't want you to step out of line. No one, no one now wants you to step out of line. And that means you do not quit your job. And that means you just listen to the masses and you listen to your family members that are uh, pleading with you, don't take your kids out of school. What the hell are you doing? You're going to ruin their lives. Don't quit your job. You can never be, you might never get a job again. You're, you'll be unemployable. You're all of it. It's your life. You go live it. Put things in place over the next six months. You know, listen to your gut. We stopped listening to our guts years ago. We don't do that anymore. Like the gut is to be ignored, apparently. The monkey in your mind, like you said, he has control. Yeah. And he's being controlled. He's he's a puppet on a string to everything that you see and hear throughout the day, whether that's from the newspaper, the television, the radio, or just the mindless chatter from the other people that have read the newspaper, <laughs> listened to the television or the radio that day. It's all fucking not. I don't want to be here. I want to be traveling with my kids. I want to move to a different part of the country. Whatever it is, whatever is that nagging doubt, that is the signal. Now, all you've got to do is spend the next three to six months to put things into place to make that happen. And that could be move investments around. That could be put the house up for sale. That could be all manner of different things. Take the kids out of school and trial um, you know, homeschooling for, for a month or use a, an online school for a month, You know, self-directed education platform such as GalileoXP.com. That's what my kids are on. You can do a trial for a month. People do it all the time. They just put and just everybody just chillax <laughs> for four weeks. Just like, you know, just listen to like, you know, listen to the birds, like whatever it is, people are going to tell you you're doing something completely wrong. And it's your life. It's your gut. You can put things in place. You can make it happen. It's not all about the money. You will figure out a way. My, the thing that kept me from doing it for so long was thinking, if I do not have a job, if I'm not employed, I'm going to end up living under a bridge, completely bankrupt. Uh, do that. Do the fear exercise. Write out your biggest five fears and then reverse engineer them and put in place, write down what you would put in place to reverse that eventual outcome. You know, what would you, for example, this is what I did. Going to go bankrupt, live under a bridge brothers my wife's got two brothers we've both got parents there's like eight properties between our immediate family we could go and live in and be welcomed and be given three meals a day All right, okay so fear gone yeah what's the worst that gone can yeah right exactly what's the worst that can happen reverse engineer it and move on with life and start making decisions start living intentionally don't just keep getting up and running their fucking mill because that's all they want you to do and when you do exit society they'll soon forget about you they don't care. <laughs> they don't care that you're gone. No. They're just concentrating on all the other 99% of the people that are still in the system. They're not going to come after you. <laughs> like, unless you're doing something criminal, right? Don't do that. 
but they're not going to kind of like or find an option find an online school and say well they're they're not homeschooling they're they're doing school online play the system as much as they've played the system onto you there are ways you can figure it out we're adaptable everything is figure outable and you can do it just take control and when you do take control my god life starts improving so that's the end of that rent <laughs> no beautiful thank you thank you so much for sharing your time and your perspective this time has flown i can't believe uh nearly it has. hours so uh no, yeah. i really appreciate uh you sitting down with me today and also for, for all your work in the community keep uh keep keep chugging along keep doing your thing and um yeah I'll be and if anybody is interested uh, if they're still listening um i have this all in a book uh and it it just it takes you through the journey of where my mind was at when you're making these decisions uh the things that we put in place like that fear exercise for example very very simple you can do that in one minute uh and it that will help you rewire your brain as well there's nothing about bitcoin in the book just one word because I wrote it before I was fully down the rabbit hole. I wrote it and released the end of 2017. So I was there, I was, I'd was i been stacking away, but it hadn't, like we said before, hadn't taken over my world, hadn't taken over my uh, thinking. But there's lots of practicalities in there, lots of things that you can um, put into action yourself and hopefully it will give people a little bit of uh, confidence in knowing that you're not alone. There's way more people out there just like the, you that you exposed to them because you're still on the rat race yeah definitely. Um, it's a, it's a you, really beautiful title as well i think choose life is is the the best way to express that sentiment and you know proactively doing what inspires you and uh then you can start entering that positive feedback loop and um i know from personal experience that it's just uh, really opened up a whole whole new 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 universe for me and um it's been great to to hear your journey as well and see that that's that's had a similar inspirational effect so i'll um i'll include the the link to to the show notes just for, for anyone who's interested absolutely well thanks so much for uh for having me on and um you know if any if anybody wants to learn more you can hit hit me up um on twitter is probably the best place that's at prince sov and uh, yeah always happy to interact thank you again for everything that you're doing thanks mate been a pleasure see you brother